0: Good morning. Good to see everybody here today. Um, as we uh, as we just continue our, our worship experience here today, as we're talking about uh, to Him be the glory, and we're talking about how, um, gosh, just how amazing God is in terms of, um, of as, as we're singing about Him, and how His plans are always so much better than ours, and how um, even though we we may make our plans and we may come up with our plans, they're... Uh, they're not always, in fact, rarely, exactly how God sees them. And, and he's usually got plans happening that we don't totally understand. And um, and it makes it difficult to say to him be the glory in our lives and to live that out when our sin and our selfishness is, um, in many ways, a, a stumbling block for us to move in that direction. Um, we've talked uh, the last uh, few weeks of through the book of, uh, of Ephesians in chapter 3. And as we kind of turned the page last week uh, to chapter 4, we're going to continue that uh, today. But, but it's, it's also been a turn of the page for us as a church because, you know, with, with uh, the new building being done and our campus being uh, completely done now, at least for now, um, and uh, for, for us to be moving into this new season. We started talking last week and asking the proper question, which is, now what? You know, now what? So as, as we've, we've been praying and moving toward this place, what's, what's our next step? Where are we going from there? And the, the answer to that is, is really simple. The answer to that is really simple, and that is for the mantra of to him be the glory, to continue to be our mantra moving forward, and what that looks like for us living that out. Being the church means that we are living from a place of saying to him be the glory. And if we say that, then how are we living that out? That's the challenge, and that's the question for all of us. How are we living that out? And that being the second part of this series. And so we need to focus on what Jesus is calling us to be as opposed to what he is calling us to do. Um, And being the inevitable overflow of being followers of Jesus and, and being the church is going to produce what we do, it's going to inform then what we do. And our purpose is to be unified in his mission. And that comes from maturing in our faith, from growing in our faith, maturing in our faith, which comes from living a life worthy of the calling. Which comes from loving each other, loving each other as the body of the as the body of Christ in the Spirit, and making every effort to keep the unity amongst us as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we get into your word now, as we, as we hear what you have for us, Jesus, I pray that you would continue to move in a powerful way through this place. Lord, we, we've, we've already had an, an incredible worship experience. And Father, I pray that we would continue to experience your presence now as we read your word, as we hear what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and change us, open our eyes to see what you have for us, and if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, I pray that whether they're here or watching online, that today might be the day that they make that decision. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, before I actually really do get going here, um, the, um, we, we have one of our missionaries actually here with us today. Um, Chris McNutt from Guatemala is right there. Wave to everybody. Um, kind of a a nice little surprise for us, um, for him to be visiting uh, with us here. His mom's right there with him and a member of uh, Connect Church and, and all of that. So if you get the chance to go say hey, it's it's always cool to be able to have a little missions moment and to see who we're investing in and to actually, you know, talk to him and, and all of those things. So he'll be heading back to Guatemala here on Wednesday, I believe, is what is what he said, right? Heading the, f- the following Wednesday, yeah. So, um, yeah, continue to pray for them and uh, still hoping to, uh, to maybe partner with them moving forward um, in, in some other things. So, so, we'll see. Be praying about that. But um, as we've been talking about to him be the glory and, and we've been looking at that, um, I wonder if maybe you've ever played uh, the game Monopoly. Um, and if you have, maybe you've seen uh, this card before. I don't know if it's gonna come up or what. I don't, we're having a few little issues I think here. Do we got the next slide coming up? Okay, so the next slide that's supposed to come up is that card, if you played Monopoly, you get community chest and it says, get out of jail free, right? We always hate when we land on the, on the spot that says get out of, you know, you know go, go to jail, go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200, which is not real life and uh, at the same time though we're rolling the dice right we're seeing what happens we land on this spot this, this unforgivable place that sends us to jail and to get out of jail we all of a sudden get you go to the community chest and you get this card that I don't know why is it just me or have these cards looked the same since like 1873 and they were done with like pen and quill you know like quill and ink or whatever I don't know you would think that they'd make new ones by now but so you get this get-out-of-jail-free card, and it's awesome, and it's cool in terms of the game. Let me, let me tell you the problem, though, with this that, we, that I want to equate this to in terms of our walk with Jesus is that I think part of the problem with Western and, and we'll even call it American Christianity is that we think this is what salvation is. We think this is what salvation is, that it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. This is what we think as the church If this is what we think it is, then doing is going to eclipse being, being the church. And we will actually wind up with some of the same problems that God has rescued us from in the past as a church family. See, if it was never God's idea for salvation to be a get out of hell free card, that's not what it is. Because if it's that, then we can just go on living however we want to live, any way we want to do, and not grow any more past our conversion. Not grow any more past the the moment that we put our trust in Jesus and maybe said the prayer which clearly, if this is how we're looking at our salvation, is just a get get out of jail free card, then I really have to wonder if that prayer meant anything more than just like reading this card out loud. And I know that's a tough thing to look at. But if we've never grown, if we've never grown past anything, if our life doesn't look any different than it did before we became a follower of Jesus, then we need to ask ourselves if we really do know him personally. If things don't look different in our life, do we really know him personally? And so as we wrap up the series and we're looking at a to him be the glory life and what that really looks like and what a church body looks like that reflects that statement we talked about some of that last week and we're going to continue talking about that today as we actually wrap up the entire chapter of Ephesians chapter 4 And so if you do have your Bibles you want to follow along in the Bible app uh, you're free to do that as well um, and uh, we're going to be in Ephesians four seventeen, 17 uh, beginning in verse 17 and we're going to actually complete uh, the entire chapter today So let's start with this. Verse 17, he says this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Paul doesn't say something like that very often. Just a heads up. I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Why are people around us so blind? Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes it feels like that when you look around and you look at the news or you look at your Facebook feed. I have asked the Lord, I think, more in the last two years to come back quickly than I had in my first 41 I'm 43 in case you're trying to do math <laughs> but we say why are people so blind and, and we maybe ask that question but you know what it says it right here in the word of God it also s- reflects something very similar to that in Romans chapter 1 but if you're reading verses 18 and 19 again and, and you look at this They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. This is our culture. It's talking about our thinking as well, that their, their understanding and their thinking lost all sensitivity, right? Let's be honest here. This is our culture. But let me say this. It's been our culture for a while, it's been our culture for a long while. Longer than we would probably want to admit. The thing is, it's just more visible now. It's much more visible now because of uh, the media, because of social media, the, all the medias. It's, it's very much more visible now. But let's, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that it hasn't always been there. We just see it a little bit differently and we see it more now. And I'm also not saying this from a holier-than-thou place. Please, please understand that. I'm not saying this from, a, from from that kind of posture because if not for God's grace, there go I. And you and I have all fallen into some of these things at various times and you will again. But if we want to put all these things together and look at, looking at our culture and our society in which we live, this is what is, quote, broken. This is what's wrong with it. And what we are called out of as followers of Jesus. We're called away from these things in our personal walk. That doesn't mean we, we become like a hermit and, and completely hide away from everybody. That's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying at all. What it is saying, though, is that if we are living a life that says, to him be the glory in our life, these previous verses should not describe us. They should not describe you and they should not describe me if I am calling myself a follower of Jesus. And Paul basically says that in the next verses. Let's keep reading here. Verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul echoes some of these very same things in Colossians 3 when he says set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Just like putting on different clothes will change your attitude and change the way you feel about yourself because it does, you know what I mean? When you put on something nice, you you feel a little better about yourself. You walk a little straighter, your head's a little higher. You think about yourself a little bit better. Even so, putting on different conduct, putting on the conduct of Jesus is gonna to start to change your attitude. And our deceitful desires that it talks about here, talks about how our deceitful desires, and I mean, you wanna think about those two words, that really encapsulates a whole lot right there. But they're like a fire. I mean, let's call it what it is. Our deceitful desires are like a fire. We're talking about the things that we want that deceive us. We deceive ourselves sometimes more than the enemy does and sometimes more than the world does. We deceive ourselves. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But it's a lot like a fire because if you think about it, the more you feed it, the more it demands. The more you feed those deceitful desires, the more it demands. And the hotter it burns, the more damage it does. And Paul says that we should put that off and to be made new in our attitude of our mind and our right living, our righteousness, right living and holiness to be set apart we can't wait to feel like a new person before putting on the new person if you're waiting for, for the feels you're going to keep waiting and part of the problem with that is too that that means you're just making an emotional decision and I think we all know that usually when we make emotional decisions that's not generally good doesn't always work out very well. See, Jesus isn't added to our old life. This is part of the problem that we see with, with even younger generations coming up, and, and, or even people that you know that were followers of Jesus, or claimed to be, and then have completely walked away. Let me tell you probably what has happened there, not definitively, but there's an aspect of this that's so true. Because we think just saying the prayer there and then nothing changes and or we try to add Jesus to our old life. And that's not what he's calling us to do. Jesus isn't saying, add me to your old life. He's like, no, your old life is dead. Your old life is gone. It is completely gone and your life becomes me. You put on a new life. You are a new creation. Not adding to the old, but dead and new. That's a very big difference than what we try to do. And a lot of times what we've done in the past is we've just tried to add Jesus to the old and fit him in to where we feel like fitting him in because of our emotions, maybe, or because how we feel in the moment. And then we wonder why that doesn't work out well eventually. Well, this is why, because you never took off the old and put on the new, We have to be willing to take off the old and put on, and that's not an easy thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. Because our Christian life, it has to go beyond our head knowledge. Our head knowledge is important. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely does include our head knowledge. We have to have an understanding of what we're doing. You have to know the why behind the what, but our head knowledge will influence our manner of thinking, which is actually the first step there. Because here's the thing. You don't have the power to change your heart. We don't have the power to change our hearts, but we do have the power to change our minds. We do have the power to change our minds. You're not powerful enough, you're not strong enough to change your heart because of our deceitful desires, but you do, you do have the power to change your mind. You can make a decision about what you're thinking about. If I just stop justifying this activity, if I stop maybe justifying that habit If I change my mind God will change my heart because it starts there but here's the thing he won't change your heart until you change your mind and Paul echoes that exact same thing in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 look at this don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person where does it start by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect it starts with the way you think. We need to put on the who before the do. We need to be the church and put that on and that begins with changing the way we think. Why? Because you become what you choose to put on. And that's a decision that starts in here. You become what you choose to put on. See, as as people, we want to feel validated and we try to get that validation by the stuff that we do. This ends up becoming the problem. And then if, if those things fall short, the things that we, that we do that we're trying to make ourselves feel validated about, when those things fall short, when they mess up, now we feel like we have something to prove. Guys, we, we, this, this is us a lot. We feel like we have something to prove there. So we either then try harder, And then we sink backwards into the things that we shouldn't be doing, and we react in ways that push God and those we love away. And it's not just God, all of or it's not just guys. All of us do this. I know I'm guilty of this more often than I would probably admit even to myself. So then we default into saying, "Well, that's just how I'm wired. This is just how I am." It's the way I am. So I guess everyone around me is just going to have to deal with it. Everybody just deal with it. This is just how I am. Okay. First of all, that's garbage. Right? That's garbage. That's selfish. That's lazy. And that's a cop out. It just is. As followers of Jesus, this should never be our answer. We need to just, that should never be our answer. Just deal with it. That's just how I am. No, no. We are in the process and should be in the process of changing and transforming and becoming more and more like Jesus. Here's the thing. Number two, you should know better. (laughs) As a follower of Jesus, we know better. It boils down to walking in the spirit of God and learning and leaning into our identity that is based on the truth of who God is. And when we rely on our own power and our own stuff, that is when we fall short, and we will fall short every single time. This can't be our answer. So let's keep reading. Verse 25. So there's a lot here, a lot to pay attention to, and these are quite a few verses right here. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So there's a lot here. And this is this is the body of Christ functioning together and not hurting itself in the areas that we always end up hurting ourselves. If you go back and look through these five verses and you kind of list out the things that are there, these are the areas, these are probably some of the key areas where we end up hurting ourselves, the body, Most lying. Lying versus truth, right? The new person a new creation tells the truth. A new person in Jesus tells the truth and the motive for doing that or at least one of the motives is that because we are members of one together. We're members of one together and so there's no place for lying when, when it's all of us together because my lie could affect you and vice versa. Anger talks about anger, anger that is used wrong. See, anger is not a sin if it's used the right way. That's, that's, that's a whole nother thing. But anger that is used wrong, the new person does not give the devil an opportunity to use it. That, that's a tough one. These are not easy things, by the way. Stealing versus working, he talks about here. Don't take the easy way out is really what he's getting to. Have a work ethic and be generous with those that are in need. And then he pulls it kind of together here by talking about our speech. And we talked quite a bit about that because we need to watch our mouth because our words matter, right? Words matter. We talked about that ad nauseum. We need to build people up. You know, you can always tell where somebody is from by their speech, by the way that they talk. Um, you know, somebody from the south has an accent, or maybe from across the pond. But there's also that that aspect of the way in which they say things or the things that they talk about. For example, we're from Ohio, so pop is a noun first and a verb second, right? You don't drink soda pop. No, we drink pop. Everything's not Coke. It's pop, right? And if you're not from here, you're like, that sounds weird. No, it isn't. You're weird. Yeah right? <laughs> but like we're from Ohio so that, that's what we say. It's, it's funny because when you travel you can say hey where's the pop and people are like soda. You know. Also like if somebody asks us where something is I don't know if you've ever noticed this one. Hey how, how do I get to, to this place or where, where's, where's that? We don't actually say where it is. We say it's 20 minutes away or it's 30 minutes outside of Cleveland, something like that. People in other parts of the country, they'll give you like an address. We, we deal with things like in time, right? It's 10 minutes down the road. It's, it's funny, you don't realize it, but that's just how we, That's how we roll, because right, OH. H. Appreciate that. <laughs> but a person of the kingdom of God the way in which we speak, the language that we have should be a reflection of where we're from. It should be a reflection of where we're from. We are from the kingdom community of God and therefore our language should reflect that. Our language should be kind and loving and compassionate and encouraging. Hopeful. More on that in a minute. Then it says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's a different one. That's an interesting one that a lot of times if you've read this passage before, you may have noticed that sentence and just kind of been like, okay, that's, that's different, and just kept on reading. I want to actually talk about that for a quick second because this matters. What is grieve the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Well, let me start with this. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a who. And so that should change your framework right off the bat. I think a lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit and we're like, oh, it's that smoke that was going across the ground in Ten Commandments. No, no. The Holy-, the Holy Spirit is a who, not an it. Charles Spurgeon said this, great theologian, and I think he says it better than I could. says, I think I now see the Spirit of God grieving. When you are sitting down to read a novel and there is your Bible unread, You have no time for prayer, but the Spirit sees you very active about worldly things and having many hours to spare for relaxation and amusement. And then he is grieved because he sees that you love worldly things better than you love him. Right? In other words, when our action, when our conduct makes the Holy Spirit sad, cause sorrow cause pain it's refusing to follow his leading because as a follower of Jesus like you are the temple of the Holy Spirit right? you are the temple of God and he is there and he is guiding and directing you but you have the choice you have free will you have the choice to either listen and be guided and directed by him or to tell him to hush and it makes him sad when we tell him to hush or just ignore that he's even there because we should know better and these things hurt the body in awful ways. And in a lot of ways, it's spiritual self harm. This, this phrase, self harm, is, is, is something that's unfortunately been way more of a thing over the last 15 plus years or so than it should be. But I think a lot of times, as the body of Christ, we do the same to ourselves with some of these things, with spiritual self harm. It's sinning, sinning against God and following our own worldly desires. And these things are like the chief culprits in many ways because they all stem from a place of selfish, deceitful desires. The things that we desire that deceive us, where we deceive ourselves. One of our uh, core values that's on the wall over here it says that we believe that followers of Christ will actively pursue spiritual growth. This is something that we believe, this is a core value of who we are at Connect Church. And this statement really implies the idea of moving forward and putting down the old self and letting go of every day more and more and more of the person that we were before we met Jesus. And this core value is actually based on the passage that we are reading today. Ephesians 4 25 through 26 and 32. And it's that sanctification process, that real big word that basically means growing in our understanding of our faith. See, We weren't just saved from something. Damnation. We weren't just saved from that. We were saved for something. And that's sanctification. You weren't just saved so that you could get a get out of of hell free card. It's not fire insurance. And then Paul wraps it up with this. Verse 31 and 32. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. That should not describe the body of Christ, ever. But this should. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, the renewed person in Jesus seeks to show the same kind of character traits that Jesus showed. The new person has control over their emotions because being is greater than doing and being produces the doing. So we should have control over our emotions and not let the enemy get a foothold on those things. And it comes down to this. In many ways, if we treat others as God treats us, then we're fulfilling what Paul is telling us to do as the church in this chapter and the chapter before. And our lives will more reflect the mantra of to him be the glory to all of those that we come in contact with. But see, we have to make a decision to make a decision. You have to make a decision that you are going to live in a way that screams to him be the glory to everyone around you as we are called to do. As followers of Jesus and so we have to choose what we will put on and maybe that's every morning maybe that's a couple of times a day maybe that's once an hour but as we move forward as a church as we move forward as followers of Jesus we need if, if we are just going to continue to wear the old and just add Jesus to it if we do that according to scripture that is not going to work out very well and so the connection point for the day Is off with the old and on with the new. To him be the glory. If we wanna grow personally, if we wanna grow collectively as a church body, as a church family, if we wanna reach this community as we're called to do, but also if you wanna just continue to move forward in your relationship with Jesus and you're just adding Jesus to the old, that's not gonna work out very well. We need to lay down the old self. And maybe this is a mantra that we need to add to this mantra every single morning as we wake up and look in the mirror and pray and say, Lord, today, off with the old, on with the new. And this is a process that's going to continue the rest of your life. You're not going to wake up one day and go, you know what, I got that handled. No, you don't. Because the second you think that, you just put on the old. As a church, we need to continually look forward to where God is leading us and to pursue growth in the ways in which he is calling us to do that. But it begins with us and our spiritual health individually so that we can make an impact in the community that he's planted us in. And I'm so excited for where we're going to be going moving forward. But let me wrap with this as Paul wrapped. The first two verses of Ephesians 5 really closed out in many ways all that he was saying in three and four, when he says, follow God's example. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We need to embrace the new. Embrace the newness of God in our life. Invest in the new things that he is doing in us and through us But that starts with us individually making that daily decision to no longer live as we once did. I'm not going to live today like I lived yesterday. And I'm not going to live tomorrow like I lived today. Each day is a little more of taking off the old and putting on the new. A little bit more each and every day. And to embrace that process every day. And saying off with the old self. On with the new self. To him be the glory. This is a daily mantra a daily choice that's gonna result in a spiritually healthy church that's focused on connecting people to Christ, community, and purpose. Will you bow your heads with me? A lot of us walk in here with some of our old self because that's part of the process. and i think that there there may be some of us here watching online that are struggling with our old self and struggling to put that old self down. We want to hold on to it. I get it. God gets it. We want to hold on to it, but he also loves us enough to tell us that we can't do that if we're really going to move forward and live in him. He wants better than that for us. He wants that old self to die in that new creation to be able to move forward. You don't have to hang on to those old things. You really can drop them and leave them at the feet of Jesus. And he is standing right there to put his arms around you. That's what it means to work out our salvation. That's what it means really to be saved and to move forward in that. It's not just a get out of hell free card. It's so much more because that eternal life with him it doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you accept him into your life. The moment you realize that you, you can't do anything about your own sin, that you need the sacrifice of Jesus to cleanse you and to move you forward. He paid the price for every single one of us so that anyone and everyone can have eternal life. And if you need to maybe have some more questions answered about that, you wanna know more about that, maybe you're ready to just to, to, to take that that leap into the arms of Jesus, I would love nothing more than to pray with you today. And I know that we've got some people here that would love to do that as well. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to move in a powerful way through this place. Jesus, I know that there are some of us here that need to take the old and put it away for good. We've been carrying it with us too much and adding, just trying to add you to it and wondering why things aren't working out. Father, you you never called us to be that way. But we struggle with that. Our sin blinds us. So Father, I pray that eyes would be opened right now, that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. And you would open the eyes and the hearts of those that maybe need to see that. Father, I I pray that even for myself, God, that, that I can take off the old and put on the new more and more every single day. Jesus, help us as a church as we move forward to continue to push toward that aspect of growing in you so that we can grow your kingdom and fill the streets of heaven with more and more of your children. God, again, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, may today be the day that they make that decision. We love you. We praise you. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.